Welcome to Fiction Authors Talk Books or Fat Books Podcast. This episode, I'm talking with the incredible Lexi Winston about being a plotter versus pantser and how sex ties into romance as authors and readers. I named this podcast Fiction Authors Talk Books because I wanted it to incorporate all aspects of being a fiction author in the discussions. Being an author is a stressful job with high expectations from ourselves and our fans, so this will always be a chill conversation that probably goes off topic most times, but we'll still have some fun. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to see your favorite author on here, send them this link and they can get in touch with us at fatbookspodcast at gmail. We take all authors who write fiction and have been published as long as they're polite. Thanks for joining and on to the podcast. Hi. Hi, how are you? I haven't listened to your accent all that long. It's lovely, but you don't sound very Aussie. You sound more like Brits than I know. Really? Okay, so I live on the west coast of Australia and oh there it is I I heard it on that yeah (laughs) I often get told that I sound very different to people who live on the east coast okay which I don't know I think I think that happens in America you've got different oh god yes across the across the country I think it's similar here too one of my friends in the U.S. told me she thought I sounded posh and British and I'm thinking hmm no just Aussie (laughs) But uh, apparently it sounds different to different people. So I'm hearing it now that you're talking a bit more. The opening greeting was more like not London, because I have a friend who lives outside London, not Londoner, but more like, I don't know, South Brit. I don't really know their dialects either, but we've got like 14 different accents at least all around the U.S. Because, I mean, it's just ginormous. I'm from the Midwest, which is a different one. And so I do sound like a Midwesterner, but I'm actually from originally from Chicago, which is a thicker accent that is very distinguishable. But I, yeah, in college, I worked really hard to kind of lose some of my Chicagoan accent because it was like, it was just distracting to everyone. So now I definitely sound like a Midwesterner, but unless I'm drinking, you can't really, it's a really upset, like you can't tell I'm from Chicago. And then it's just, you know, I'm more ghetto fabulous than really. Oh, yeah, the the different accents always blow, blow my mind. You know, you're all in one place, but yeah, it sounds so different. Right. There's actually, if you ever need an accent reference, just author to author, there is a comedian, I think his name is Ben Brainerd, and he does this comedy skit and it's like ongoing on YouTube. It's really funny, but it's like if each state had its own personality or whatever. But it's actually, he's really good. Like even having lived in several states now or, you know, coming from Illinois, he's really accurate. It's it's really funny being from here, but I just always think of good references, like research references as an author. Like, yeah, this would be somebody, this would be something to recommend to somebody out of the country if they're an author. Yeah, yeah, it would be because it is some kind of hard when you're writing different places and you're not quite sure the accent sounds or you know influences on different words and those sorts of things oh for sure or even just Mm. dispositions like you know if you had somebody in washington state who was like go 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 flying all around very works 80 hours a week kind of vibe you got the wrong state (laughs) same thing with the south like i've read some books by non-American authors and they have like this image of Americans in general and then like they'll put it in the south and I'm like honey you might as well be writing about a different country because it's right yeah it's just how it works 
but yeah, so I always do the same thing. Like I've, I have characters from Australia and not too many because you guys are a little tricky there too. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and then you got to worry about being respectful. Like the character even says at one point in time, we don't all say Frankie 14 times an yeah. hour, like the movies or the stereotypes. Oh, it drives me nuts when it authors write like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think he said, like, if she, like, asks, like, do you say it? He goes, yeah, it's kind of like an all-inclusive swear or, like, oh, no, kind of exclamation. But, you know. We, I actually we... don't know anyone who uses it. <laughs> really? Because that's, that's was my research. Like, in certain uh, areas, it's kind of like your all-inclusive swear not to be a real swear. I have an author friend who actually lives, I think, on the east side of Australia. Really? Yeah. And she said it like that, too. Like, it's just sometimes when you're trying to bleep yourself, basically, like, you might just say crikey. Yeah, not not on the west coast. I, I Like I said, I don't, I really don't know anyone who uses it. But then that might be I don't know anyone who doesn't swear. <laughs> or it might be that it became such a thing 10, 20 years ago that people just, like, it's not funny yeah. to say anymore. Maybe throw a shrimp on the barbie we don't say that and that was an, an ad on a tv ad for so many years and no we don't say that oh that's almost shrimp. disappointing because i've heard so many people be like in a nice way to like represent aussie and i've uh, actually heard chris hemsworth say it though so somebody there still has to say it for it to be like a thing I, or unless he, he was says just it playing because, it up yeah he's playing it, it, up. Is, it was an ad and it was you know them trying to make it sound like that's what we don't use shrimp we we don't say shrimp we say prawns oh that's what we call wow. them so but do you say prawns on the barbie then or no, no. you just don't say any no. of it just yeah. no don't say any of it i mean i mean i guess if you're going to put a prawn on the barbie maybe but oh yeah. that's funny it's funny how inaccurate like everything gets and it's not even like i'm not picking on authors who don't write americans like all that i'm sure i've messed up and you know there's creative license and you do your best but you yes know, there's that's only, right there's only so much you can really get from researching different things i had like a whole list of slang in london and i sent it to a, a fr author friend of mine who lives outside london she's like i've only heard about half of these the rest are posh it's not like normal london i'm like mother don't yeah. go online and act like you're an authority when you really have no clue yeah yeah i um i try and ask people who may have an idea but sometimes you just gotta wing it don't you and and hope you get it right oh for sure i take most of my research like there are a few youtubers i like gaming ones that are Br british and like i kind of just take if they've said it like i just heard them say it but you know not everybody needs to have like a thick accent or a lot mm. of influence it can just be like they grew up there or they were there for some years like you know because i mean most of my stuff is based in america anyway so it makes sense that somebody came here or is visiting and it's not a big deal yeah it is very tricky and i've had there was one thing on one of my books where Somebody from Australia was like, you know, we really don't do that. And a different fan from Australia was like, what the hell are you talking about? We do it all the time. Yeah. And like yeah, the two like of them were fighting, like who, who was right or who was wrong. <laughs> I was like, ladies, ladies, it, I got you. It's not a all-inclusive, everybody doesn't do it. It was so <laughs> funny. Like they, I was waiting for one of them to be like, we're fighting over this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the same, you know, different states do different things different ways. And Oh, God, yeah. For us being the United States, we're not all that united. We're, we're <laughs> not all that uniform was the word I was looking for. Like, yeah. Yeah.
That always drives me insane. I had to research the um, marriage laws in uh, the oh. US and, and the age of, of, you know, consent and consent yeah. and and the, the fact that they differ across and they differ vastly widely yeah. Yeah, across the states just blew my mind. Yeah, it's actually the same with the driver's license, depending on the driver's permit and everything. But yeah, it's like trying to explain to people outside of America why we have licenses for different states and you have to change your license to move, but then have a U.S. passport to travel outside the U.S. The divorce laws are even more complicated than the marriage laws. I was doing some research for one thing, and it was like, swear to God, if it's a full moon on like the, the second month of the year and the lunar eclipse is not in <laughs> orbit of Venus, you can have a no default divorce. I was just like, do not get married in that state. No, it's it's silly. Oh, yeah. So many complicated things to, you know. It's well, yeah, and it's it gets really confusing. complicated for people who have kids and like have divorced and cross state lines. I'd be terrified, honestly. Like, oh, and then so the child weird... support and all of, all yep. of that sort of thing. Uh, it's confusing. Yeah, I'm coming to Boston next year. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited about the food, but I certainly won't be driving because you guys drive on the wrong side of the road anyway. <laughs> I, I so, yeah, I, you know no what? Driving for me. We drive on the different side of the road because most of the other countries in the world agree with us. I actually think it's a bit of a 50-50 split. Like, I think Asia, most of Asia drives on the same side as the road of us. And I guess probably only England. We'll just leave it to the different, different side, side of the road. Of the road. <laughs> oh, so we were going to talk about, I like to outline, and you kept using a certain I'm word. really bad pantser. Like, uh, I might do a few bullet points for each chapter and and that's not even prior to starting I usually get an idea in my head and I'll write the first chapter and then I'll go crap what am I going to write for the rest of this book and so then I'll write a few bullet points for each sort of chapter and they usually get thrown out the door once I get to the chapter but that is the only kind of plotting I do <laughs> see that fills me with anxiety like my heart is racing just thinking about approaching a book <laughs> like that because I'm such an outliner so one of my series the first quote-unquote idea scene that I had was actually in like book seven or eight when Tamsin gets her wings that's exactly the first scene that I saw right. holy guacamole so wow. for me it was building the backstory of that and I saw that scene, a couple different scenes, and then the ending. The series will be like 25, 26 books. That's not a normal for me. So did you seriously plot out all of Artemis's books? Is that what you've got? Do you plot them like one at a time? Or did you plot all 20 whatever you're writing of them? So I'm working on... 18. I have 19, 20, and 21 pretty much all outlined. Now, I don't like outline who does what for a sex scene. Like I know to work those in, there will be some other stuff, but I have like the main, I think there's like 20 outlined items or scenes for those books. That is normal for me to have three or so books lined up for the series and I know what's what. So three ahead. Yeah, two so or three got, ahead yeah. with my well, yeah. with my established series. There are a few that I'm like, I have no idea when when something strikes like my one of my smaller ones it's like when something hits me I you know will outline most of it but like even my karma bakery series I have a few things that I know are going to happen in the progression but I don't really know what the next book is really going to be like yeah. I don't 
have like formal outlines. I always have like, I think of it like the railroad or building the train tracks. For all of my series, I have like all the flag posts and all the construction zone kind of like stuff laid out. And then when I get closer, I kind of like lay more tracks down in the outline. But yeah, I mean, I when I just started the book, I, I had every chapter, like I knew what was happening in every chapter. I know how this book ends. I don't know that I've ever gotten to start a book and not know where the ending will be. I wish I had that problem. Well, <laughs> I always think, oh, how am I going to end this now? No, I always have a fair idea of yeah. what I want to happen at the end. But how I'm going to get to that end that I then go, oh, so what happens next? <laughs> but I'm very fluid on my outlines. Like in this book, I had planned to hit like a couple things that I'm like, you know what? I don't like that in this book as the vibe. So it's now a couple things are switched to 19. But that's also why I don't do rewrites. Like yeah. I had a, an author friend and she would do rewrites and just rewrites. And I'm like, one, you're putting in so much heartache to yourself. Like 90% of the time I would read the rewrites and be like, it was better in the beginning. Like, yeah. don't, you can overfrost the cake at some point. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree completely. Um, I, I tend to go with not necessarily my first draft. Um, oh, God, like no. I, I will go back and add extra stuff, but I'll yes. not very often mess with what I've already got. Yeah. You know, I, I will expand on what's there, but I'm usually Absolutely. pretty happy with what I have. Yeah. first time round because that's what that's what my gut was telling me right I absolutely I do two rounds of sometimes three rounds of edits with my editor how does being a pantser work with like research and stuff I tend to have to break off from the story and and then do my research so um so if I get to a scene where where um, I just it depends you know I, I wing most things and then if it's something that people are going to go no that doesn't work like that and I'll go back and I'll I'll do the research. So you know, if a specific gun fires in a specific way and those kind of things, that I'll then I'll do the research and I'll take half an hour to do that or whatever. But um, it's fiction, and most of what I write is paranormal. So mm -hmm. you know, it's you know, you, you just magic that if it doesn't work, you know. Oh. I just, <laughs> I mean, the the contemporary stuff's different. You have to get it right. So I do quite yeah. a bit of research into that. Um, one of my stories had a vet in it. I had a vet. She'd read through everything before I, I published it to make sure that it was at least plausible and mostly correct. So yeah. that's sort of how I do that kind of stuff. I'll ask someone who who's knowledgeable in subject to read it or, you know, if I'm writing somewhere in, in America, I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, so in my Facebook group, who's from such and such and do you have such and such? You know, I'll ask for reader input so that I'm actually yeah. getting actual input in case what I'm researching on Google is, is wrong, you know. Makes sense. Yeah, no, I getcha. When I'm done writing for the day because I know what I'm doing the next day kind of outline, that's when I kind of like pull up the right Google references. I do this because if I do too much of the research while I'm writing, I just feel like I lose my flow. I tend to be a bit of a squirrel and I do get a little bit distracted and I will go off on a tangent and I'll end up with like six or seven different uh, windows open with six or seven different things I'm researching. And then I'll think, crap, I've just wasted an hour and I should be writing. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, it's probably not the most ideal way to do it, but it's what works for me. Yeah, my computer doesn't like me having 78 tabs open because I had so much open from the book and my outline and then I was forgetting to close it as I was going along. I don't think I've had quite as many. I don't think 78 would uh, be, I don't think my computer would even fit 78 on across the screen. <laughs> Yeah, I have a bigger all-in-one that I write on, so that's that's nice. But see, you those kind of things you need to. I don't write a lot. I don't. I try not to include a lot that needs that kind of thing, that kind of research. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, uh, try to avoid those kind of putting those kind of scenes in my books that require that much research. Not because I'm lazy or anything like that, but people are really cruel if you get it wrong. You know. Yes. So I I try and avoid very specifics like I'll just make stuff up because it's fiction and I'll just make it my own instead of um picking something that already exists in real life yeah do you understand because you get people no it's I I come down on you hard yeah yeah no that makes sense I do really enjoy the research I have shelves and shelves of research books and like Norse mythology and all kinds of stuff. I fall down the the research rabbit holes really fast and hard. You get all this deep research, you know, and here I am over, over here researching how to grow weed. <laughs> oh, I have to, uh, um, it's because here in Australia, it, it's not legal. So, it, you know, I need to, if I have a character who, which I do in an upcoming book, who, who is a, a runs a weed dispensary, I had to do all that research. And oh. my, my husband's over here going, you're going to get us arrested. You're going to get us raided by all this research. And I'm going to say, no, honey, they're going to take one look at my search history and realise that I am an author and that they don't need to come and raid our house. In one day, I'd researched various different drug manufacturing and uh oh, God, and guns yeah. and how to bury a dead body and all of this kind of stuff and i i, I thought for sure i was going to get a, a a knock on the door and and at I, least someone asking questions i've looked at all those besides i've never researched how to bury a dead body because i always do like the i mean my my side is the fbi side where i want it found and the other question I got it was, how do you write so many sex scenes and make them different? And I said, I watch a lot of porn. Yeah. Yeah. You do, you know. Uh, you well, it's up, like you got to figure it out. Like, Especially it's... in group scenes. Oh, One God, yeah. Not too bad, but group scenes. And then, and I also, I also have to draw diagrams to work out, like stick figure diagrams, like, Oh God, that's so tab funny. A goes into slot B sort of thing to make sure that oh God, everything's where it needs to be. That is amazing. I do have to say that there are less, and somebody, I've had a few people bust me for this, but there are less sex scenes in my books now that I live in an apartment because I don't have a backyard to let my dog out in anymore. So every time I go outside, I see people. He's, I walk him four or five times a day. It kills my flow. If people want more <laughs> sex scenes in them again, I need to get the hell out of this apartment. <laughs> I quite often uh, go to um, coffee shops just to get out of my house and just for a, a change of scene. And I quite often go and sit in a coffee shop and write. But you, I can guarantee you I cannot write a sex scene in a coffee shop because I'm constantly glancing around to see who's looking over my shoulder to 
you know, oh, look God, at my yeah. screen or, you know, I have to have my back to a wall so no one's actually reading over my shoulder. And yeah, no, the sex scenes, they have to wait until I come home to write, then <laughs> write out in public because I feel my fl face flush red. And <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Honestly, it's just nerve wracking. Any I can't do the writing in a coffee shop thing. I need like just my bubble. Like I play music when I write. Um, I prefer silence, but I normally play music because again, apartment, there's people in the hallway sometimes and my dog loses his mind. So if the music's playing, he doesn't hear it, whatever. Yeah. The only place mm. I've done is um, actual writing is on a plane and I nobody was sitting next to me. And it was like early morning. I couldn't sleep, but like it wasn't a full flight. I have, I'm too much into my routines and my, my bubble and at least you get coffee out of the deal if you're going to the coffee house it's more that i find myself get stuck stuck you know uh yeah not stuck but the flow kind of uh, i guess ebbs away and and you sort of think uh maybe a change of scenery will just sort of kick start the creative process again and and sometimes it works and sometimes i sit there and I, all i do is scroll through facebook or other social media the whole entire time i'm drinking my coffee but i guess it then gives me a reset and i come back and then i'll write again but um i, I do try uh, i mean most of the times i do get words done just that break instead of staring at a wall uh, yeah i do um, that outlining a lot of times i'll go downstairs by not like laying at the pool but like the common area off the pool and just bring a notebook and lunch and just that's when I outline like what's coming next what's down the what the pipeline or what do I want to add my favorite is what open thread did I leave that eventually I need to close mm -hmm. I use the shower as well when I get stuck I'll sit at the bottom of the shower for 10 minutes I mean it's wasteful I know I, I admit it but it really it really does help clear the mind and uh you know, uh, oh, sure. Yeah, I write blurbs in the shower. I don't know why. I hate that's, blurbs. I do. <laughs> that's, I do too. Yeah. And it's always like, I didn't submit the blurb with the book. So, like, the first round of editing is done and I've got to write the blurb, but I'm already working on a different book, which I'm an idiot for. But yeah, I, that's the shower. Like, I take a shower and I think of how to, like, start it. And I had a release coming up and I realized I hadn't written the blurb for it and I was like ah oh, crap now I have to go back and write that blurb I, just, I hate blurb writing yeah it really is bad there are some authors that love it and I'm just and like and they're good at it and they're good at I think it's because I'm bad at it like I, really bad I think at we it. all think that we're bad at it and we're really not because I hate most of my blurbs I think they're trash it's weird to me where the line is for sexes and books like you can't write about young adult and also write adult under the same name I know there are a few authors that like the series tanked if they went from like young adult and moved into new adult. Like apparently that's yeah. the line. Some people just can't take any schnooky schnooky. I think young adult, uh, yeah, young adult to new adult. I mean, it goes, I don't like fade to black in my books, whether I write them or I read them, I, I find fade to black annoying. So I won't read young adult. It, it just feels like they're, glossing over the fact that teenagers do do that kind of stuff you know i don't think it's i think they need to provide more positive and it's not pornish where somebody's always getting yes. stuff on their face and you know it, it doesn't yes, it, I exactly it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be graphic and gratuitous but 
They also yeah. need to. I mean, it, it happens. Kids, kids, you know, teenagers yeah. will be teenagers. They're yeah. they, they, you know, they're going to experiment. So let's give them some positive examples. Yes. And use protection and and, and yep. you know and be careful and all that kind of stuff, so that that we're setting good examples. One, I 100% agree with it, and it annoys me in young adult because like you can do it in yeah. a tasteful way, not to scar the kiddies who probably know more than the authors do about sex and porn and everything else that is on everywhere. It drives me nuts too when I read it and an adult book and they fade to black in it. Like, I don't want fade to black in my books. I want to know that all that sexual tension led somewhere, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There is a reward at the end of that book, you know, not a quick five second and they had sex and that was it, you know? It's... No, yeah. don't do this to me. Don't tease me the whole entire time and and not put out at the end. That will make me throw my book across the room faster than any kind of cliffhanger or anything like that, you know. Oh, wow. Uh, cliffhangers I get as an, as an author. Oh, right. I, I you get want them to pick up the next they book. They are a great. Absolutely. They, they're a tool and they're an effective tool. The fade to black? No, no way, mate. You fade to black and I'm not reading the next one. Now, I do fade to black, but I've had already enough sex in the book by then. Or but that's we don't it. need to... I, I don't okay. No, no. okay, so not just any yeah, fade no, to black. No. You need like certain no, no, parameters. No, no. If your whole book has been this sexual tension all the way through the book, no sex scenes, just, you know, that the sparks are flying between your two characters and, you know, you're thinking, yeah, you know, we're going to get to this sex scene and it's going to be mind blowing, you know? And then they yeah. fade to black at the end. They leave it to the very end and then they fade it to black. And I'm like, what the? Yeah. I have an unpublished book where the ending is like, and I made the worst mistake of my life. But then the next book picks up with the sex scene. So I left that cliffhanger of like, what was the decision she made? And then eventually I give the sex scene. But that's okay because it gets there. But there's yeah. the ones that don't, don't just gloss over it, is what at you're all. saying. I occasionally do it too when you've had three sex scenes in the, the book already and you're like, oh, no, I'll just fade to black the next one because there's only so much sex you can read in a book, you know. Or it is, I, yeah, I it is erotic then, yeah. The ones that, that you think it's going to happen, it, it, the promise is there and then they they pull it away and they, they destroy you completely because it's not there. I just, it, um, yeah, I'll stop reading them if, if I find that. <laughs> if they've teased, if they've, if they've tweaked with your heart, you're out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. That's right. like, no, how can you do that? How can you do that to me? That's funny because, you know, I would never say anything to the author, you know, oh, God, I, or, no. you know, message them or anything like that. That's, I think that's, that's crossing the boundaries. It's their book. I picked it up as a romance. And I, these days, maybe once upon a time, you're not necessarily expect it. But these days I expect sex in my romance books. I, oh. I just think that's how they need to be. Well, if it's in every episode of Game, again, Game of Thrones, like if it's in every freaking episode, like, yeah, give me, give me a little something, something. I'm dying though that you said like the three sex scenes in a book, because that's my rough guideline too, is to not really go over three. It depends. I don't throw in a sex scene for the sake of a sex scene. Oh God, no, I no. It has to fit in with the story. So if it warrants it, then I'll put it. But if it doesn't, then no, you know, it, there is only so much. You, and you end up flicking through the ones that have too many and yes. skipping over the sex scenes to get back to the story. And I don't want people yes. doing that in mine. Yeah, I don't like that either. I I was saying three as the max. Like I don't like to go over three yeah. in a book. I, I just don't feel it's long enough or yeah, like you're, you're getting a little too something, something, or that's when I really start glossing over of just like the reconnection, like 
we had a bounce, chicka mm. bounce, bounce night, but it's done. <laughs> and it depends. I tend to write really big harems, um, uh, and it, it depends. You know, if I've got, like, my latest series has, it's going to be 10 in the harem at the end. Holy crap, woman. <laughs> hey, my first series had 10. I wrote a nine-way sex scene that had all nine people involved. You know, that was, that was tricky. <laughs> but I managed it. It's a football team. So up until now, only really six of the characters have, have appeared in the book. I try and get it so that not necessarily a sex scene with each in the book, but so that they each get their FaceTime or screen time, so to speak, yeah. you know, that page time, so that people don't go, oh, but we didn't see such and such and this person didn't get to have sex or, you know, because th yeah. that, that bothers certain readers. So I try and make it even. I get mm. that crap all the time with Artemis. I've had so many people be like, it's not a reverse a reverse harem. And I'm like, wait for it. I don't I don't like the insta everything's okay. Like you gotta work for that happy ending with five guys, six guys, seven guys, four guys. <laughs> Ten guys. Oh. Yeah, I I I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep them all straight. I would just start numbering them. We all How have do our you limits. Keep the ones in Seraphine. How do you keep okay, them all straight? I'm a Oh my God, I'm a total hypocrite. Yeah, she's probably got more than 10. Well, okay. So I don't, she doesn't have that many <laughs> real like mates. I'm thinking Eminence. you're talking like yeah, me. Yeah, she's got some tag in alternatives that kind of come in off. The, yeah, you, if you met like 10 real mates, oh my God, I couldn't keep that straight. But yeah, you're right. Seraphine's getting up there. Hey, do you write like character cards? And do you I, write yourself like a, a, a glossary of characters? Yes. Seraphine's got so many characters in it, and I just wonder how you keep them all straight. I have a very big spreadsheet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and do you do it all on a spreadsheet? Because I actually use index cards, and I write in the index card for each of them, and then I can flick back through. I like the, the feeling of being able to physically flick back through them. I don't like to switch between screens on my computer, so having them here in front of me, I just, you know, ruffle through the cards to find which one I need. And you uh -oh. have yours on a, a spreadsheet, yeah? Yeah, when I, so like Seraphine in particular, I have, when I'm writing in the actual manuscript word file, I have open her character chart. There is a location notes file. So I don't like all of a sudden make her house 14 floors and it's supposed to be 25 or, you know. And then I have uh, open threads that I've got to close and go through and look back on. But like Tamsin for Artemis, I've got characters, I've got the open threads one, and I've always got her semester schedule open, which is, that was a new one for me. I've never done the, the, the college academy drama kind of genre or whatever. And college works so differently in, in the US to here in Australia. I actually had to, I've started writing something that is college based and I had to message one of my friends and, and say, please explain this to me because it's completely different to here. Like, uh, from what I understand, you guys all go and live at the college while they're attending it. Yes. A lot of state schools or a lot of schools require it. If it's not a community college, which is like the first two years of a four-year degree, like I went to University of Illinois and it was required. You had to live on campus. Yeah. That's not that's not done here. The only people who there they do have dorms close to campuses, but that's for people who live remotely. So who don't live close by the college, but everyone else just buses in or drives in every day. Yeah. I mean, in like New York City, that's common. 
like you get you can might maybe okay. share like an apartment there are a lot of colleges where you can but like so university of illinois is out in like it's just a campus town down in central illinois like the, the university okay. is the whole town basically I mean, I, I don't know if you could get an exemption for a local, but most people come from all over the state or it was a really good engineering school. So we had yeah. a lot of um, yeah, okay. international students. And I think just for like campus legalities, everybody had to live in the dorm. We had RAs, all, all the idiot college Greek kids and everything, you know. That Greek system, that's weird. <laughs> to, that's for a Aussie, right? you know what I mean? Wrapping your head around... Um, sororities and fraternities and and you know you see them portrayed in 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 movies and things but yeah that's not that's not something we do here hopefully it gets it's gotten better since i've been in college but the movies are fairly accurate with the idiocy of uh and i went to a very university of illinois has a because it's a big 10 school of like football and stuff but it is a it was a very large greek system and it was every stereotypical crap that you would think of I was in a, my freshman year, I was in a chemistry class and three naked frat guys came to, for a pledge thing, came in and like, it was just a, 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 a like the professor was just like sighing and I'm, and you know, a freshman away from home. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of that crap and there was a lot of the bad stuff, um, with it too, with, you know, campus security. Like if you, if you look into the stereotype of like campus security is crap and they protect the university, not the students. That's a real thing. I think one of the only college stereotypes that I never found true in movies is I'm thinking like the Ryan Reynolds movie, I think Van Wilder, where he's been in school. Wilder. For like, I love Van Wilder. Yeah, like where he's been in school for like eight years, like University yeah. of Illinois wouldn't allow that. I think you can right. max out at five and a half to get your bachelor's uh-huh. or you out. Like a lot of the schools don't allow that. So unfortunately, a lot of the bad stereotypes for our colleges are accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give a big thanks to Lexi Winston for joining me for such a fun conversation. Also to all our fans for checking out this podcast. I hope you liked what you heard and decide to stick around. Please make sure to subscribe to the Fat Books podcast on YouTube or Spotify and that little purple icon on your Apple device. Let's hear a bit about what Lexi's working on and what she's got coming out next. So I have book three of my uh, Galaxy Circus series coming out. It's a sci-fi reverse harem that's set in a circus, an alien circus. She has just found out she is an alien and uh, inherits this circus. So it's a bit of fun. There's a bit of... You know, one of her mates is a, a, a kraken with tentacles, so it gets a bit freaky in there a little bit. I do have two more pre-orders coming out. One is a book two in a, a mafia reverse harem that I'm writing. And the other one is a brand new, I don't think it's going to be serious. I think it's going to be a standalone. And um, that's a spy. She's a spy and has to go undercover with a, an, a group of guys so um that's kind of exciting i'm excited for those thanks for staying until the end and hope you enjoyed it